Hey, welcome to this 32nd edition of Clarity Chat podcast. This session was an interactive one AMA ask me anything with my LinkedIn live audience. My team suggested that many live clarity chats end with not all the questions answered because we run out of time. I also have audience complaints that they don't get to hear me much in my guest session. So why not we catch up on this backlog? So today we cover where an individual contributor gets stuck if he wants to move up the leadership roles. How do you encourage new talent? How do you keep yourself humble and grounded to accept new ideas? What are the top 5 things to do for a supply chain digital transformation project? And how can tech folks transform into business and leadership? This is the 32nd episode of Clarity Chat. All experiences and practical approaches, no gyan. Welcome to Clarity Chat. Did you know that 83% of technology implementations fail to achieve expected business outcomes? Well, managing technology is incredibly complex. IT covers all processes and everything IT does impacts people in some way. The function is only 3 decades old but changing at the fastest pace. Technology industry is highly profitable with intense marketing. Tech companies have the vast majority of the tech talent, not you. Clarity Chat purpose is rooted in helping you solve IT challenges for business success to help you decode the complexity. to help you leverage partners effectively to help you partner with business more effectively to help you manage change better to help you attract talent you get this clarity via experiences of cios and business leaders shared informally and candidly over a cup of tea welcome to the clarity chat podcast uh where do you think an individual contributor gets stuck if he wants to Uh, move to leadership roles. Okay, so I think the uh, answer to the question is in the question itself, which is uh, you know when you're an individual contributor, you want to move to leadership roles. Uh, the difference is people leadership, right? So, uh, so you need to develop the people leadership skills. Okay, so let me uh, put that into a framework. Generally. having been through the transition myself from an individual contributor to a manager to a leader i do see clearly uh, around three distinct stages uh, or rather four distinct stages in um, being a leader okay and and each of those transitions is a painful one and as you keep going up the transitions start keep becoming uh, more and more painful So the first one is when you go from an individual contributor to a lead that means you start having a small team uh yourself which is about you know let's say four to five people or, or whatever uh and then you know then you grow one ladder up and where you know you have let's say a team of about 15 20 people so which is where you know you may have three or four people reporting to you and then you know there are further people reporting to you so now you are a manager right manager Uh, from a lead team lead to a team manager where you have a uh, few leads reporting to you um and then i think then comes uh, you know uh, the next transition which is you know um leader of managers okay so now you have multiple managers 
and uh, you have to lead them and then i think comes the one you know which is at the ceo cxo level which is you know you are a leader of leaders okay now each of these uh, is a distinct one where you need different skills and that's where the process of learning and unlearning uh, has to happen so let's take um, one by one you know as you go from a you know um, uh, from an individual contributor to a team lead, uh, you know, typically there's something called that we trend, we tend to project ourselves on the world. So you know, whatever is your style, you want everyone to do work in that style. And I think very quickly you realize that, you know, that's not how the world works. You know, people will have different styles and then you start to loosen up a little bit and then you, uh, you know, um, you tend to accommodate different styles, respect diversity of views, uh, you know, respect uh, different personal challenges that people bring to the table. And in that process, uh, that's the first step. And if you do that successfully, you, you are ready for the next one. If you don't, then, you know, you still remain a micromanager. Okay. And uh, well, it will be difficult for you to transition. Now, as you go further up, uh, and this is common to all the stages, is um, you know where uh, your control on the eventual work that gets done, right? The granular level of work that gets done keeps getting reduced. So, what do you do when you don't have control on the work, right? How do you manage that? And uh, what needs to replace that control, or you know that Ticking off every single last level of detail is to have trust. So as you keep going up, I think the level of trust you need to have has to increase. Okay. Now, and of course, you know, then there are other things I would not go into uh, many of them. Like, for example, you know, conceptual skills, they have to increase, you know, from a, let's say from a coding level or from a you know, task orientation, you need to go to a process orientation from a process orientation, you know, you need to become a, to go functional orientation. And as you become a leader of managers and leader of leaders, you know, you need to start, you know, um, sort of expanding your uh, purview and to uh, learn about all the other departments that you are interacting with. Or, you know, when you're at a CXO level, you need to you need to have much more awareness of the industry that you're in. So one of the things that again is start expanding is, you know, your level of external interaction Okay, at a lead level. It is maybe more at the department level at the manager level. You know, you may start interacting with some other departments, you know, then you become leader of managers. You know, it's actually other functions, diverse functions. And, uh, you know, at a CXO level, you will have to uh, talk to analysts. You will have to talk to uh, industry folks, consultants and a lot of external inputs. So uh, what you need to Okay, so here is a simple hack I give you, which I have always used in my career, which is, you know, always look at your boss and your boss's boss, okay? And start mapping uh, the differences in terms of the personal and the professional qualities uh, that they bring to the table and that you bring to the table. The only, the only, only uh, thing that can harm you in the process is ego, okay? Don't look at things as like, you know, I'm better than my boss. I mean, just, just look at it completely dispassionately as to, you know, what are the additional things they bring to the table? Most of the time you will find these things, the external relationships, you know, the networking that they do with the rest of the environment. I mean, the way they, the way they manage, uh, uh, the way they manage others, they, the way they balance things 
between different uh, managers you know you would have your peers you would be competing with them but when you look at your boss your boss would be kind of balancing things between you and your peers so you know keep looking at uh, your people above you and learn from them now <laughs> i'll give you a simple example here long back almost 20 years back i used to observe very very clearly i used to sit outside the office of my uh, you know uh, business unit head and uh, in whatever free time i used to very closely observe as to how he runs his office okay so he would have a few staff i would say you know who, what does the ea work what does the secretary work how are the roles divided and uh, you know how he conducts his meetings you know how he basically gets people to like you know talk what he wants uh, them uh, to do and i learned so much that you know that i applied i mean i actually learned from him as to how to use a secretary in the most effective way right how to run how to create a you know a well functioning office so somebody you know learn from people above you from your boss and your boss's boss don't 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 just criticize them learn from them uh, what else you need to do be an observer be a sponge of you know what else uh, you need to do how do you bring about entrepreneurs entrepreneur spirit spirit at every level of your teams what is your checkpoint whether everyone is part of the ship inclusive in moving forward sometimes members don't connect with business okay how do you bring about entrepreneur spirit at, at every level in your teams i think the first thing is that you need to be an entrepreneur yourself right that means what is the biggest difference between an entrepreneur and like you know let's say anybody else let's say you know salaried people like many of us like i used to be i think it's risk taking right the biggest difference that an entrepreneur brings to the table is risk taking you know he lets the boat out cuts the rope and uh, how much can you do it if you can do it your team will learn to do it right so what comes with risk with risk comes failure right so do you have tolerance for failure that's a big question when what if somebody messes up like you know do you blast him off do you like you know simply pat his back and said well try good uh, a good try so uh, you know if you really want to promote entrepreneurship spirit take risks calculated risks what is a calculated risk something that doesn't sink the boat you know whether it's your division board whether it's an organization board as long as it doesn't sink the boat i think it's a risk worth taking uh, how do you de risk you know you keep more and more people informed of what you're doing try to sell your uh, case yeah sometimes small risks you have to just like you know uh, put your neck out there stick your neck out there and the most important thing uh, from a team's point of view uh, encourage people to experiment don't punish failures in fact uh, i can i can give you a good example uh, you know from the tatas when when i was there um, they used to have tata innovista awards and uh, one of the awards in uh, tata innovista was an interesting one called dare to try uh, and this award was for spectacular failures okay so you took an initiative you tried an innovation which failed okay and they were giving an award out there for that now that is like you know promoting entrepreneurship 
experimentation and saying it's okay to fail at an enterprise level at a, at a conglomerate level okay so i hope uh, that makes sense and santil if you're out there maybe you know just give me a shout if you if it if you like the that answer what are the most important changes a leader should make be aware uh, to be successful what are the pitfalls okay so I think, uh, what does collaboration mean? You know, I'm a first principle guy. So what I tend to do is whenever somebody throws a term or jargon at me, I'll try to like, you know, cheer hard uh, that, you know, made it, make it threadbare to just understand the essence of it. Right? So what is the essence of collaboration? The essence of collaboration is your ability to work with others, right? So what makes you able to uh, work with others what is the biggest quality that you that you need to work with others and that is you know to be accommodative and what does it need to be accommodative accommodative that means you know to keep your ego aside you need to be humble right now whether you want to collaborate with your peers your partners you know as long as you keep your ego aside as long as you are humble you know you create that absorption capacity for others ideas and there's a good, you know, give and take of ideas. If you have a lot of ego, that means what, you know, I have the best ideas and, and you can't be better than me. So then there's no uh, case of like, you know, being able to accommodate others ideas. And if you're not accommodating others ideas, how do you expect them to accommodate your ideas? It's a simple equation, right? It's a give and take of ideas. It's a give and take of, uh, uh, it's creating win-wins uh, successes. So what are the pitfalls? The biggest pitfall out there is your ego. The biggest pitfall is the ego gets manifested in multiple ways. One of them is uh, not invented here syndrome. Okay. So when somebody comes to you with a great idea, you tell him, ah, no, you know, we are different. We work in a different uh, way. I mean, I think, I think, I think, I think you have done the best to, uh, you know, keep them off or keep any good ideas off from them forever. Satya, tell us, uh, I know you have been, you have asked a lot of questions and, you know, I think last time you said, why don't you get some middle managers? So let me, uh, you know, uh, ask you, like, you know, when you watch Clarity Chat, uh, what are some of the things that don't get discussed here? One, okay. Second thing, you know, how do, how do things look uh, to you, you know, sitting where you are sitting, which is somewhere in the middle? I mean, I mean, let's have a conversation, whatever, I mean, it's your show, so... You know, whatever oh, you want no, to ask, what you want to, and whatever you want to tell, actually. First of all, thank you so much. I mean, uh, when I asked a question, there is no intention to, uh, you know, come onto the stage. Uh, I was more, uh, when the driving factor is, I think what I love about Clarity Chat is your emphasis on less gyan and more case studies. But, you know, at, in some of the extreme high level discussions with senior leadership, it tends to be a little bit more at an abstract level. So my thought was, uh, you know, let's also get some middle folk because I, I don't know. I mean, I feel that uh, strategy to execution, there's always translation happens. So sometimes things get lost in translation. So I was curious about how other uh, folks navigated, putting myself in the shoes of, of those folks. So yeah, that is a driving factor. But I, I, I love the fact that uh, a lot of the guests, in fact, um, I bought Satish Rao's book and I learned so much from uh, all your guests, not just uh, 
just uh, the broad level, but uh, especially your rapid fire round is uh, the most interesting because they have to think on the spot and they don't have a lot of time. So you get, you actually get the truth from the, your guests and also when they switch the role. So that's something that was very uh, fun. My, I mean, my questions tend to be uncomfortable. I realized over the course of asking is some, I think uh, there's unwritten rule that you should touch upon business and because this is a it's a public forum and you know it's LinkedIn and or wherever it's being broadcast. So some of the things will impact their companies things. So uh, I moved away from those questions and asking more uh, growth related, not strategy related. So that's one thing. So so let, let me let me let me respond to that. Okay. So what happens is uh, typically um, you know most of the corporate communication that happens is like you know has to be has to be a bit controlled has to be uh, you know a bit calculated because when you as a company representative are communicating out there and i think you know i'm saying this because i also learned it the hard way and i tell you a case study as well uh, you know where things can get misinterpreted but um, the lesson one of the lessons to all of you out there who are listening to it also is that uh, you know, this is one of the one of the very important traits for you to develop, you know, in terms of looking at yourself as your brand custodian and as a representative of your company. And you can never, ever not care, not be wearing that hat. Right. So, you know, like, um, I mean, you make a let's say, for example, you're in a, you know, you are you, you, in a you're in a personal party of friends like, and you make a misogynistic comment. Right. Do you think it doesn't hurt your company? It hurts your company, right? So therefore, um, generally, what gets communicated from a corporate point of view has to be controlled uh, because there are multiple people out there you know, who are going to be uh, uh, dissecting it, you know, slicing and dicing it in different ways just to sort of, you know, figure out what kind of insider information I can get from you. So therefore, most people, uh, you know, they prefer not to comment on anything which is futuristic or anything not in the public domain. Now, this platform is not to discuss the strategy or like, you know, uh, or companies, uh, technology biases and all that. I think this is for people to learn from their experiences. And that's why, you know, we stay clear. And to all of you out there, you know, who may have felt that, you know, your questions don't get answered neither before nor after the chat. Here is like you know an alibi coming from me as to why why it happened. <laughs> but so, I mean, so that's your next question, yeah. The I mean obviously uh, driving back to the initial thing, you were a, a global uh, you know a CIO, and I know you touched upon this uh, question before from one of your guests also. So like, why did you leave such a high traffic? I mean, because as a as a as somebody who's growing in the organization, you feel like okay, I want to be you know, division head or VP or CIO. I mean, that's a career path set for somebody in a corporate world and somebody exiting from that is a, is a rarity. So what prompted you and what lessons will somebody uh, uh, take or not take from this? Well, that's a, that's a, that's a bit of a personal question, but good you asked. Uh, so I can, I can, I can tell, I can at least share, share my learnings uh, and experience. Okay. So. I'm like somebody, you know, who gets bored very quickly, uh, you know, every two, three years. I'm not really an operations guy. Like, you know, I can't be running an operations uh, continuously. Even if I do, like, you know, I need to have it at a scale where I can kind of improvise, I can change things. 
Uh, and for that, like, you know, I need the necessary support, whether it is financial-wise, whether it is uh, uh, people-wise. And, uh, you know, Tata Motors was an organization where I got that at a, at, with a, a fairly free hand. And what I really loved about, uh, love about Tata Motors is still is that, you know, you get a free hand and as long as you keep delivering the results, um, you know, you keep getting a free hand, okay? So that's the reason I uh, was able to last there so long, okay? Which was uh, uh, even when we did CRM, you know, CRM was like you know every year there was a completely different agenda because something like that had never been done before, and uh, therefore we had to completely reinvent ourselves. I mean, I remember over I think about ten years we changed the support process five times because the support request went from like hundred a month to you know, 30,000 a month and, and you know, every time we had to completely redo and redevelop something and, and you know, reduce the cost for uh, support request and all that. Now, what happened later on is I had some big plans and, you know, I had a, almost an 80 page uh, digital roadmap ready and we had done almost everything. We had brought in the cloud. Uh, we had a complete mo mobility, uh, you know, blueprint ready. We had a you know, a complete future architecture ready, you know, where all these systems like SAP, CRM, everything would be, would be API-fied and, uh, and then, you know, the complete, I would say, future applications will be all like, you know, driven by APIs and like, you know, just expanding the digital footprint and all. So I had a big, I had big plans and everyone kind of agreed to them that that's the right way to go. I think the industry was at a juncture where it wasn't uh, the industry itself wasn't doing well and there were pressures and i was like oh my god like you know how long would i have to wait to execute those okay i think that's when ge called and uh, i uh, and and my discussions with them were like you know more that you know i want to like really uh, outgrow my current role i wanted global so i was looking at what have i not done so i was looking at global exposure i had worked in india alone so i wanted to see other geographies also the role that I got had that kind of exposure as an international CIO. Uh, there was a promise uh, that, you know, that I can take up bigger roles. And, but then I think what happened was, uh, you know, I just got caught in uh, the wrong ocean current. Uh, she wasn't doing well. The chairman left. My boss, who had made those promises, like kind of changed her roles. And, uh, you know, a number of things happened which were outside of my control. Now, I could have still stayed there. I could have still kind of survived it. But I, uh, with whatever I had done in Tata Motors, the kind of transformations I had done, I didn't have that kind of uh, mandate, uh, especially when GE sold off GE Transportation and it became part of WebTech. I sort of figured out that, you know, there are lots of misfits uh, and I was not happy. So, you know, well, I mean, with a fat pay, you can always continue where you are, but you know, sometimes you've got to be true to yourself, you know, whether you want to really do it or not. And that's when I uh, thought that I still have some time. So let me come out, try my hand at entrepreneurship. If it doesn't work out, I may have some time to go back. But thankfully, it has worked out so far. Now, coming back to, uh, to be honest, as I look back, I think uh, leaving Tata Motors was a big mistake, was my biggest mistake. And uh, because I left it at the time, you know, there was still a lot of agenda to be done. And I think sometimes you've got to be patient, you know, I mean, when things are not under your control, uh, it's not the best thing to fly out, but it's, it's like, you know, 
as we were talking earlier sets you know we have to change the system from within we have to like you know keep at it i got impatient and uh, you know sort of and i and and i must say that i also didn't do due diligence and this is like so unlike of me and i think that was the mistake which i acknowledge that when i uh, whenever i've done something you know one of the things you cannot uh, really mistake me for is the due diligence i mean uh, especially being in technology which is like hotel california that you know you can't get out i have been doing some rigorous rigorous due diligences uh, uh, whenever doing something new and here um, i did not do that and and, and i think i've learned my lesson so anytime i take a big step nowadays like i make sure that i ask at least three different uh, mentors guides friends uh, which i didn't do at that time right and you know it is so, so silly at that time you know i i kept being told that you know hey this is confidential this is confidential this was my first job change and i literally took it to be confidential and didn't check with many people <laughs> kind of silly <laughs> interesting you mentioned due diligence because that's one of my questions which i felt uh, was an attribute you already had like you know i remember when we our first interaction i proposed something radically different and uh, i mean i had a question but i knew that the answer would be due diligence because uh, i'm pretty sure you did not accept what i proposed without doing your own due diligence so uh, that was one of the there's a question and i i cut it off because yeah it's impossible that you would not have like, you would accept it without your due diligence yeah but you know i must say that um, yes it was a big mistake but i am but you know life is what it is i mean you know it takes its turns i mean if i was if i had not made that mistake clarity chat would not be there <laughs> we will losing out a lot definitely for sure yeah <laughs> well hey uh, thanks sir and maybe like you know you want to uh, you want to kind of set the context for everybody hearing as to why you are here and you know where do we go back to i don't remember too much of it i'm getting old you are much younger so why don't you talk about our shared experiences oh absolutely um so for the audience uh, um i met uh, jagdish at uh, 2007 2000 in a very confidential project at that time uh, this was the launch of uh, my my uh, you know what i feel is the best achievement uh, that i had done in that point and and so far was launch of the tata nano tata nano portal and uh, uh, this was uh, uh, an interesting aspect because i was i mean literally 9 uh, months in an organization and uh, and yeah i ha- i have great mentors all my life i attribute so my mentor said you are going to the dgm of crm for tata motors for a project in mumbai which is i've never been before and uh, work on a portal that uh, is for a, a, a some a secret car which nobody has seen before or heard of and uh, so i came in with all bunch of ideas proposed everything non standard open source uh, we add social media elements we uh, but i mean uh, i have to shout out to other folks um, Tanmay, who had who came with an idea about specific thing which is related to car configurator, which I felt was such a super idea at that point. And here I landed in Tinhar uh, Nagar Thane, you know, bustling with ideas, and you know, uh, met uh, Jagdish. But the one critical thing that I had to take away, uh, I mean, what I understood was that uh, uh, he never discounts ideas. That that the freedom that I got to express myself. 
you know, when you're 24, 25, talking to somebody who is so senior, uh, that, that was the uh, best experience somebody could get. I could, I could get at that point. And uh, yeah, that is the context we were discussing. Like, you know, uh, traditionally you'll have SAP, you have the web portals and all that. And then here I come in, not I, I, I won't take the full credit at the backing of my team. I shouldn't be so arrogant to say it was my idea, but uh, at least the back in the full team and all that. So, uh, so the question was like, uh, uh, how do you encourage uh, uh, new new talent and new thing? Like as because what happens? I mean, when you reach a middle management and you reach that le- level or whatever you call that designation, sometimes you think you know everything. So and uh, so, how did you keep yourself humble and? Uh, keep yourself grounded to accept new ideas. That's a mystery to me because not every leader has that. Is it a character trait or is it an acquired skill? <laughs> no, by the way, you know, I just I just want to let everyone in the audience know that uh, I think Gartner started talking SMAC and I think somewhere after 2010, right? Once the mobile became ubiquitous, right? I, I, after iPhone and Android and all of that. And this was like, you know, we doing a, 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 a portal with all the social elements, I think, in 2006-7. So, so it can't get any more radical than that. And, and, and Satya, thank, thanks for, you know, bringing that fresh, uh, you know, thinking there. I think, uh, you know, um, I've posted a couple of times about it, okay. So, which is, uh, you know, treat work like a sport, okay. So, I've been a sportsman. I, I studied in science school. I know a lot of sports. I can't claim to play a lot of sport because nowadays the only sport I play is golf, which is an old man's game. <laughs> so, um, uh, so it is like, you know, I mean, you know, what being a sportsman does to you is like, you know, you're always playful. You're always curious. Uh, you know, no two shots at the goal are the same, right? I mean, no two sort of maneuvers uh, to your goal are the same. And, uh, and that's, I think, a very important thing to, you know, be curious. Uh, as I said, you know, be able to experiment. Now, the other thing, I think, you know, this humility and ego keeps coming back to me as themes, you know, which I uh, also tell a lot of my mentees, you know, to keep aside and to develop humility and keep aside ego. Hey, I am your podcast host, Jagdish Belwal. I had a rich career as CIO at Tata Motors and GE. Now, as an advisor, I help organizations transform with technology. Technology is necessary for digital transformation, but not sufficient. So I help organizations with the rest of it. Leadership, strategy, culture, change management, etc. You can connect with me on LinkedIn and Twitter. For now, keep listening and don't forget to subscribe the podcast and do connect with me on linkedin you see what happens is why do you think about it why do you reject new ideas because of the fear of failure where does that fear of failure come from it comes from vanity right i mean you don't want to look like a failure you know it's like a spot on my uh, you know uh, yeah. shirt and all that right so the moment you keep those things aside and you say hey you know it's okay to fail i'm a human being right and uh, but then uh, uh, the good thing is that, you know, as people talk about digital, you know, this whole thing is getting like, you know, uh, sort of tom-tommed about, you know, 
fail fast and all of that but i think uh, it's been it's it's more like an attitude which you have to develop you know if you want to be successful because yeah see you will do 10 experiments maybe five will fail but what will make you successful is those five successes and maybe you know one or two of them may be very big ones i mean the crm itself was a very big bat actually and uh, midway i would say two years down the line and as we were trying to make it work uh, some people some very senior people actually gave up on it but you know we continued to uh, you know evolve it uh, we knew uh, that you know rome was not built in a day and uh, it was a project of that size and so we uh, uh, we kept at it you know i actually rejected a few offers uh, to join some other departments i said no i want to make it work and i think you know yeah that, <laughs> i wouldn't have got a cio role otherwise but uh, uh, but great question, uh, uh, Satya. And yeah, to a message to everyone out there, like, you know, be experimentative, don't be afraid of failure. Uh, and don't be afraid of failure means like, you know, have a bit of humility and uh, and promote it amongst other people. And, you know, one thing, Satya, that I must tell you that I look for when I interact with youngsters like you is like, you know, I want to remain young, okay? And uh, the best way to remain young is to keep learning, keep learning, you know? You will see that, you know, as we keep growing older, we stop learning, right? Our, our, our learning curve gets flatter. And uh, so if I want to remain young, I have to, I have to make sure that, that that curve doesn't flatten. So there's a selfish uh, motive out there. <laughs> what are the top five things to do for a supply chain digital transformation project? Oh, so... Well, I'm not really a supply chain specialist, but we did some work in supply chain. Um, so it depends on the industry you are in. Uh, but let me kind of address some of the basic elements uh, in supply chain. Uh, so the first thing is like, you know, you have suppliers. Right? I mean, without suppliers, you don't have a supply chain. I'm looking at like, you know, so there are two types of supply chain. There's a you know, upstream supply chain, which is you with your suppliers, and there's a downstream supply chain, which is you with your channel partners or your customers. Okay. Uh, let me, let me, I think your question is more related to the upstream supply chain. I'm assuming if not, then let me know. Uh, uh, and I will sort of try to cover the downstream as well. So, uh, supply chain com comprises of suppliers. So, the first thing you need to look at in your supply chain transformation is that are your suppliers digitally connected okay do you have electronic means uh, to transact with them and not just transact with them even like you know take you know sort of your uh, even collaborating with them you know many times the suppliers have to be involved right from the product design uh, stage so you know are, do you have the mechanisms to share your product designs with them uh, electronically uh, do you have the mechanisms to uh, transact with them? Uh, do you have the support mechanisms for them? Okay, so the first one is, are your suppliers connected? The second thing is that, you know, are you giving your suppliers a great experience? That means, do you have a supplier help desk? Who is tracking the metrics of that supplier help desk? The third thing is like, you know, uh, is about, you know, your entire logistics and transportation and the agility of the supply chain. So like, uh, you know, anything... Uh, out of turn happens anywhere in your supply chain do you get the right signals okay and are you able to then adjust your plans to that so that would be the agile supply chain part of it right so sometimes i've seen organizations who have got a you know this uh, simulation mechanism let's say a, a truck breaks down and 
and this is um, um, i can tell you this is like you know um, one of the automotive manufacturers who do made to order car manufacturing you know any one of the luxury car suppliers you can guess who i'm talking about so this is like a just in sequence manufacturing that means you know your your seats will be coming in a truck you know which will be like you know there are let's say 10 seats they will be like going into those next 10 cars and then you know next 10 the 10 engines coming from somewhere else will be going in the same uh, 10 cars so you know it's very very orchestrated uh, mechanism let's say this uh, truck with seats breaks down you know are you able to get a signal and are you able to re you know rework your uh, production plan to schedule a different set of uh, to bring forward a, a different set of uh, 10 vehicles and and postpone these 10 and that means not only this one but even the engines and all the other ones so, and there'll be a bit of a spike in your inventories because it's a just in sequence but that's the kind of agility uh, that we are looking for so you know like what are your sensing mechanisms uh, in your supply chain uh, a good part of supply chain is your transport management so you know optimizing your trucks truck tracking uh, you know having telematics fitted vehicles trucks and then you know basically getting data from external uh, sources you know sometimes you can get some data from ships and all so it's uh, you know your uh, the entire transport and logistics uh, based systems right so those are uh, and 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 the other big one is you know your warehousing so you ask for five things <laughs> i think i've covered those five things the fifth one will be warehousing that you know do you have warehousing which supports you know lean operations uh, you know which has got uh, efficient mechanisms uh, you know are you able to benchmark your warehouses with the other best in class i believe uh, one should leave the present job gig when you stop learning and also when you're on your high what are your views on when should one call quits and look for something new so sort of uh, good question i think yes you know you should leave when you're on your high but uh, the reason for leaving should be a positive one uh, so many times when people come to me uh, and and tell me the reason for leaving i would only i would say that you know leave for a reason which is repeatable okay that means if it happens again you would leave again so like for example if you get a bad boss i mean if you're leaving because of a bad boss in the next organization you're going to get a bad boss i mean i going to leave again and how long can you how repeatable is that process i mean i don't think it's very repeatable so you know there are sometimes you know when you when you got to fight it out okay when you uh, don't have to call it quits because the next one you can't be sure whether you know you will not um, be in the same place uh, but at the same time you know when I, what i mean by repeatable let's take a corollary also let's say you know uh, you get a job which is let's say you know your boss's role in another organization you should take it up because in the next organization whoever is your boss if his or her job you get in some other organization you would still leave because that's that's growth for you right so uh, uh, look at it that way i mean i have had situations where like, i have been very happy to let people go i mean one of my subordinates you know uh, got a role of a cio and he came to me and put in his papers and I said, where are you going? He said, I'm getting the role of a CIO. I'm like, wow, I'm the happiest for you because you're leaving for the positive reason, right? And you're re leaving for a reason which is repeatable, which is getting you growth. So, so you must leave, okay, summarizing, you should leave only when there is a much bigger role, not for any negative reasons.
uh, yes, when you're on your high, that is the time, you know, when you can also command, like, you know, the next level of roles. And uh, when you stop learning, yeah, that's something, you know, I would say there is a if there, because in today's world, I don't think you can stop learning. Okay. Sometimes I've seen that, you know, people, even in their regular jobs, you know, they, they are out there, you know, they're learning, taking courses, taking certifications, and then bringing those learnings and, you know, and then even the learnings from their peer network into, into, into their roles and trying to do something new. I think a lot of to do things uh, today uh, to learn and use to use it. Okay. Let me see if there are any. So Kiran is asking a question. Can you share your views on how tech Fox transform into business in leadership? So, so Kiran, uh, I, I mean, no. Uh, I, it happened the other way around for me, so I'm not sure whether I'm the right person to uh, answer that question. Uh, because I came from business, the first uh, about seven years of my life were in, uh, in, in customer service. And then I came to uh, uh, IT in the CRM program and then I kind of learned IT and, you know, brought in some of my uh, philosophies like, you know, be process driven, be architecture driven and all of that and, and learned uh, IT. But I think the processes not very different when you are a, a technology person who wants to transform into a business leader it's just that you know learn business i mean i came from business and learned it i think you can anyone can you know uh, who knows technology can learn business and actually it's fun i must say i'm like you know i'm a believer of going out there and uh, spending time inside the business so you know I go out there, you know, I, I just go into the warehouse uh, or a plant floor and I, and, and I ask some like very childlike questions, you know, very curious questions. I'm just keeping my ego aside and not like, you know, coming as a leader, leader that, you know, I'm supposed to know everything. No, I mean, being a leader doesn't mean that mean that you should know everything. Being a leader, you actually get more respect when you're curious. Okay. I have got like, you know, tons of photos where, you know, I've been on the, in the big plants when they were. Uh, getting built when they were uh, when they started operating and you know, talking to all kinds of people trying to learn yeah, I've even learned like you know how let's say a factory gets constructed and you know what kind of approvals you require you know what kind of you know how how differently it has to be done from let's say building a you know residential building uh, you have looked at their project plans so it's like you know there's so much to learn out there you know I went to Whenever I have been to any uh, in in G transportation, I was visiting. Uh, I I once spent almost a month visiting different countries, and uh, it was not like time with IT people. It was actually you know time going into the workshops, understanding how they do their processes, going into their warehouses. I was really amazed to like see like you know there was one entire spare parts warehouse in a in a mine remote, somewhere remote in Western Australia where. Uh, there were two people managing uh, the whole show and I really picked their brains on like, you know, how can two people do that? And I learned in the process as to, you know, how they were managing the show and very importantly, how they were collaborating with the customer to, you know, uh, to, to leverage the customer's people because, it, because they were doing it for the customers. So, you know, learning from their pain points about business, getting some ideas into RPA and stuff like that. So. Uh, there's a lot to learn out there. There's a lot of impact to be made once you understand, you know, uh, what those processes are, what pains are there, what kind of opportunities for, you know, improvement are there. So I hope that makes sense. But I think the most important quality that you require is, you know, just drop your head 
quarter headquarter head where it belongs in the headquarters and just go with a lot of curiosity and innocence uh, into your operations right i've been to like you know even bpo bpo floors just you know like stood behind the, the operator you know looked at observed you know like how he's handling calls you know how how fast he or she is able to get the information from the system and you know kind of understanding you know how and why the speed of a system matters so much for a for a for a call center uh, agent you know and then you know like coming back and then like having a discussion with my team as to you know, hey can we create some sort of a faster can we you know isolate our uh, uh, you know call center application uh, from the rest of them you know to basically you know create faster speeds i mean of course not all of those discussions will be fruitful when i came back and asked that question and i was like i was laughed at but yeah there's no harm in getting laughed at uh, throwing a you know a useful idea actually even though it is not practical okay so uh, uh, i hope that answers your question uh, kiran i have the next one from uh, mayank bedi who few pointers uh, introduced blockchain in smart contract and supply chain yes uh, that's a good one mayank i think they're still uh... see the the thing about blockchain is that you know you need multiple multiple parties to certify it and uh, you know where are those multiple parties do you create multiple internal virtual parties or can you go outside and i think those are some of the questions that will kind of get clarified they are they are being clarified as we speak uh, but you know blockchain will typically in business processes work in consortiums in fact you know the banks are the first ones to do it for forex transactions uh, when i was in uh, g transportation we joined uh, we joined a consortium uh, you know of people who were into this transportation and logistics i think it was called the beta cons- consortium blockchain and transport uh, association uh, but yes be part of those consortiums uh, learn what is happening and you know be on top of it and and be a, a first mover when uh, when they start experimenting on it uh, vendor onboarding and kyc validation uh, absolutely bang on my end. online bidding portal uh, yeah it's about the virtual the uh, transaction capability online transaction capability with your uh with your suppliers POSN portal and payment status with fleet monitoring right ones more with supplier suppliers for better share of business uh, with updating abc partner analysis timely delivery with sob variance overall auto mrp for today absolutely all the all the right things thank you man for for answering that question and helping me out there that that really appreciate that okay then we have dattatre uh asking a question there is always a sense of conflict between cio and cso where any innovation or improvisation from cio tends to produce positive or negative risk to the organization for its cso or cro may, may be so reluctant may i know your view on this oh <laughs> ask me man i have had those conflicts i mean i always used to have a heated debate with my cso in terms of like you know why 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 are why are those guys being like you know a, a pain in the wrong place <laughs> you know when we are talking of innovation but you know i think <laughs> we must understand i mean i think that's where let's bring up some fundamentals of conflict resolution okay and, and i think that will give you some uh, way to manage those conflicts okay 
see we always have to whenever there's a conflict or whenever there's a difference of opinion i, I always ask the uh, folks to you know look at intention before before really like you know um, before escalating the conflict okay so what's the intention of the ciso the intention of the ciso is to keep the organization secure right and uh, what's the intention of a cio or like you know anybody who's trying to drive a transformation and that is basically to push it forward so the most interesting discussion i had on this topic with my own ciso was he asked me and i think i wrote one of my first posts i wrote about it uh, he said jagdish if you want to you know if you are redesigning car which can go at 150 kilometers per hour to go at 250 kilometers per hour what is the first thing you will uh, work on i said engine he said no think again i said what do you suggest he said brakes and i was like i was zapped for a moment and i said yeah you're right <laughs> you know you design a car for 250 you design an engine and everything you know to for the car to go at 250 kilometers and if you don't have if you haven't worked on the brakes right up front you know you're going to get into an accident and i think that's the value addition that uh, you know the security folks bring in our in our organizations you need accelerator as well as you need a brake okay and they have to work in tandem they can't be working in conflict with each other so when you're pushing uh, uh, an agenda you know you've got to listen to them and i think it has to be a collaborative process of give and take you know and you can't de risk everything of course you know the ciso will start from a point of view that let's not take any risk but then you have to say that you know hey you know what's the impact of that risk you know so there is a there are some conversational mechanisms that you can create around it like for example a risk impact matrix right a risk matrix impact matrix is like you know so you know you map the probability of that risk and you map the impact of that risk right and make it a five pointer so if the probability of that risk is 5 and the impact of that risk is 5 that that means the risk impact matrix tells you it is a it is it's worth its weight is like 25 you know you must never take that risk you know but let's say if the impact of a, a risk is 5 and the probability is 1 you no know, you might even want to take that uh, uh, risk um, so so you have to create those, those conversational mechanisms between the cio uh, or the transformation organization and the ciso organization and now the other thing also is that these uh, an initiative has different uh, life cycle uh, stages so when you are taking an when at an early stage of an initiative i would say that hey you know what isolate it you know don't look at the security aspects first but you know don't let anyone enter through this particular mechanism okay do your experiment and everything and once it is proven and you are ready to scale it up i think that is when you must never ever not let security do a due diligence on it so it is also you know at what point in time do you bring in uh, the brakes right you bring in the brakes when you are ready to take the car at 250 kilometers per hour right not when you are like you know taking a mule around and just testing like the other elements of that right whether the suspension will be able to handle it or whether you know your chassis will be able to handle it only when you are ready for a full run that is when you bring in the brakes so there are various mechanisms to do that so there is a non work related question from my dear friend and golfer rajiv gerela how has been the experience of building your network while on the golf course <laughs> rajiv you know the answer to that question you know i mean it has been as good as your experience 
but yeah i mean it's uh, it's 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 a great experience actually uh, golf is a since i play you know it might be a uh, it might be a colored view but i think it's one of the best games is one of the toughest games of course the the dropout rate is maybe as high as 90% 90% of the people who try golf give, give up on it and i think that's where any one of you who loves a challenge you know try playing golf but yes uh, there are some uh, you know unrelated benefits of golf apart from getting a long walk amongst a lot, uh, lot of greenery and you know you know you would anyway take a 10 km walk 5 or 10 km walk why not just hit something and get, and keep getting frustrated while walking so that's what god does to you <laughs> yeah but you know in the process i think you meet some great people golfers tend to be i wouldn't say always but most of the time they tend to be very accommodative very uh, humble people because golf is a game that humbles you because it's a tough game you know it just breaks down your ego it just cuts down your ego like you know you may be the best tennis player you may be the you know you may be the best ceo you may be the best cxo golf will show you your place and i can guarantee you that try your hand so i actually a lot of my humility comes from golf you know when i go on the golf course and uh, you know sort of get a ball out out of bounds or in the water you know i kind of realize that hey you know what you may be doing a lot of things but you can't hit a ball still all right after 9 years of playing golf and and believe me you know people still get their balls into water after 20 years of playing golf okay so uh, on that note <laughs> i think that was a good note to end this chat you know i managed to answer only uh, you know very small part of the uh, of the agenda today which is the uh, questions from senthil and uh, there was a good delightful conversation from uh, satya out there and of course a lot of questions from all of you Uh, but i think i like this format so what i will do is you know uh, this becomes sort of a, a repeatable template for me now whenever you know i have you know a guest opting out or i don't have a guest for a particular week i'll come in this format i'll probably pick on any one of you i remember last night i you know picked the satya and i said hey join me on clarity chat you ask that question i want to i want you to ask it live so like that you know maybe you know i can connect with others here i can get some of you on the on live on um, on this on the clarity chat and yes we already have a backlog which we can continue to answer during these chats so uh vishwavidit singh uh, what inspires you to keep going and how you aligned your career goals with your own passion okay so uh thank you everyone for joining thank you for the engagement for all your comments and for all the great questions oh i loved the interaction and i hope you loved it as much as i did uh, please do subscribe to the clarity chat podcast it's available on all major podcasting platforms in our next podcast i will interact with my audience in a free wheeling clarity chat part 2 of ama ask me anything we will cover audience questions around should cios do macro management or micro management and what's the best approach what are the pros and cons what are the real threats to the cio's role if any how are partners important for cio to his vision and goal accomplishments 
What according to you is a good IT model for an organization, central or distributed, when it comes to speed of deployment of solutions? And many more. Watch out for our next Clarity Chat podcast, AMA, Ask Me Anything Part 2. Mm-hmm.